0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Now we're going to get into the word. Just to prepare us prophetically for the new year. Hallelujah. I want you to get ready for this. Uh, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lamp onto our feet, light onto our parts. And as we surrender ourselves to supernatural instructions, we thank you. Because prophecy carries us. We will see all that you say. And we are receptive, ready for more. Glory to your name, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, Romans chapter 8 verse 26. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. This is so important. I want you to be receptive because what we're sharing is so important. You see, beyond the excitement, what is really going to make the difference will be the word of the Lord in your spirit. So I want you to pay attention. Romans chapter 8 verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be ordered. This is so important. The first striking revelation from this text is that there is an infirmity amongst men. A pandemic, and I'm not talking about COVID or anything physical. I'm talking about a spiritual problem here. And what is the spiritual problem? It says we don't know what to pray for as we should. We don't know what to wish for as we should. And that's a problem that many go to God in prayer. And very quickly, we reveal a poor assessment of our needs in our prayers. And someone says, how is that serious? It's so serious. You see, the fact that you you don't recognize the seriousness of that problem is more reason why it's a problem. But this is so serious that God calls it an infirmity. It's like a disease. Not knowing what to pray for as you should. You know, reminds me of something that happened. You know, one day, um, because had received some financial miracle. I wanted to, to do something for my kids. So as I was about to head out that day, I asked them, I said, what should I buy for you when I come back? And honestly speaking in my heart, I was ready to do anything that they would ask. If they wanted bicycles, I would have bought it. If they wanted clothes, I would have bought it. Whatever they asked. But toddlers being toddlers, both of them looked at me and they said, mm, I want Suya and Zobo for some reason, my kids, their favorite snack is not popsicles, it's not um, cotton candy, it's not pizza, it's not ice cream. It is suya and zobo. And for those of you in diaspora who don't maybe know what suya is, it is a very spicy barbecue, you know, and zobo is a local drink. I don't know how to describe zobo for you. But that's what they wanted. You know, You might have experienced that with children where you know you ask them, What do you want? And you are disappointed by their requests. Their request reveals their age. And at a time like this, on a night like this, there is an infirmity amongst men. We don't know what to pray for, as we should. Listen, mind you, he didn't say we don't know to pray. I can guarantee you, as you're tuned in here, churches all around the country and beyond have some form of spiritual engagement to prepare their members for the new year. Everybody is praying around the world. Everybody has some form of expectation. But the reality is, what are we praying about? That's what really counts here. And the Bible says we know not what to pray for, as we should expectation without revelation will lead to frustration. And that's why I'm starting with this. You need to to pray the right prayers. You need to see right to pray right. A lot of people might be tempted to pray the wrong prayers today, and that needs to be corrected. And let me say something that a lot of people are going to pray for on a night like this, that is not entirely wrong, all right, but it's not smart, it's not biblically smart, is this. God, make the year 2021 a good year. And they are honest and sincere. They might pray for long about that. But that's not the right prayer. Can I tell you this? God has never promised that the year in and of itself will be good. That's not God's priority. That's not God's business. And every good student of the world knows that. You see, there is something the Bible calls praying amiss. So even if God answers prayers, we must pray within the parameters of the will of God, understanding his will as revealed in his word. So you can pray amiss, and your prayer will be sincere and fervent, but you're not going to get answers, and you're going to wonder why you didn't get answers. Some people, for instance, have already given up on the concept of a watch night service, is there a point? I mean, I was there last week and last year and the year before, and nothing much changed. Maybe it was your focus that was wrong. Maybe you were praying the wrong things. Okay, for instance, I said, "You don't pray." God make 2021 a good year, and I'm going to prove that to you from the Word of God. You see, God's business is not the tribulations of the year or to make the year better. It was never his focus in the Bible. Every good student of eschatology, every good student of the Bible that knows the prophecy of end times knows that this world is going to pass away. Like an old cloth is going to go weak. Second Peter chapter 3 tells us it's going to be destroyed with fire. The destiny or the future of this world is not a good one. It's going to get worse. And so you need to know what to ask for. Let me show you something you might never have seen before. Look at Isaiah chapter 26 verse 20. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 20. This is such a striking text. It says, come my people. Listen, he's talking to God's people. So he's not talking to people who don't know the Lord. He's talking to God's people, God's own people, the the Israelites, the Jews. He says, come, my people, enter into your chambers. Shut your doors. Shut the doors about thee. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until indignation is past. Can I tell you something? A lot of church people need to know that God's priority, when there is an indignation, maybe like covid all right. It's not to make the year or the experience better. God's priority will be instructions for preservation. He says, shut your door. Hide yourself for a while until the indignation is past." Any good student of the Bible knows that there are some times that evil is looming in a community and guess what? It must serve his time. Prayer is not going to change it. What prayer is going to do is by the wisdom of God to preserve you in spite of what might be happening. So we must pray right. We must see right. Can I tell you something? It's going to keep getting worse in the world. After COVID, another one is going to come. There will be more diseases. There will be more plagues. This world, I mean, this year looked like someone was playing a game of Jumanji somewhere. You know, every month, something from Black Lives Matter, you know, to NSAS, all kinds of things were happening, all right, in the world, everywhere, in virtually every nation in the world. And don't you think that bad things won't happen in 2021? God's priority is this, that no matter what is happening in Egypt, you'll be safe in Goshen. If you've read the story, God told them, he said, you're going to sacrifice lambs and you're going to put the blood on your lintel so that when the angel of death is passing, he said, when he sees the blood, he will pass over. Can I tell you something? So listen, the strategy is not to pray that the angel of death will not pass. That prayer will not be answered. It's going to happen. And guess what? Your only security is divine instruction. Your only security is the only thing that was going to keep the children of Israel safe was the blood on their lintel. He said, none of you must be found outside. If any one of them was going to be found outside, they were going to be destroyed too. So you have to understand that God's strategy for us is preservation by his wisdom because listen there is an overarching prophecy over the world jesus said and most assuredly so he said in this world you will have tribulations can i tell you something no amount of prayer is going to change that in this world there will be perilous times but he said and this is the part where you need to learn as you prepare for a new year at a time like this he said be of good cheer he says i have overcome the world be of good cheer have overcome the world. So God's priority is not the world, the year, and what will happen or will not happen in it. God's priority is you. To build an engineer in you, a fortitude, so that you remain standing, no matter all the wiles of the enemy that come your way, so that having done all, you stand. So at the end of the year like this, in such A perilous year like 2020. After all that has happened, you can still stand. That's God's strategy for you for the year 2021. This is important. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. You see, in the Bible, there are what I call fundamental prophecy. And there are more specific prophecies that are but a subset of the fundamental things God is going to do. Listen, when you look at the big picture through the lenses of God, there is God's final plan for all mankind. So, from the beginning of the Bible, it was foretold that the Messiah will come. Can I tell you something? No matter what the devil could have tried what any government in the world could have tried, the Messiah was going to come. And he came. According to prophecy, the Messiah was going to die. According to prophecy, the Messiah was going to rise. According to prophecy, the Messiah will come again. That's God's fundamental prophecy and plan for all mankind. And In the midst of those prophecies, there are smaller prophecies, subsets, like um, your desire for a better job, you know, and, and all those things that God cares about. In the realm of the Spirit, not all things have the same order of priority and importance and significance. You have to understand this. So, for instance, according to prophecy, when Jesus was hanging on that cross... All of humanity, all of the spirit realm knew that something big was happening and began to respond. The Bible says there was an earthquake. And even though it happened about the middle of the day, when the sun should be shining in its brightness, brightest, guess what? The Bible says there was darkness. Now, just imagine that somewhere in Jerusalem, all right, someone was having a wedding. And had prayed, oh, Father, let the weather conditions be perfect. <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden, at the middle of the day, you know, maybe when the preacher just said, You may kiss your bride, everywhere went pitch black. And then you begin to pray, Lord, what is happening? Let the sun. Ar-. Guess what? That prayer will not be answered. Because it is a principle in prayer. <laughs> all right? Prayer is not an avenue for us to be rebels. Prayer, all right, is it fundamentally requires that we understand what God is doing and that we align with it enforcing it by requesting. So in prayer, there must be wisdom, understanding the provisions of God in his word. So as you look forward to 2021, for instance, If Jesus comes next year, 2021 will not be a good year. Because when the believers check out of here, it's going to be very bad for everyone left. So you have to be a good student of biblical prophecy to see first and foremost what God is doing. So that we will know what to pray for as we should. There is what to wish for. On a night like this, there is what to desire. Hallelujah. So God's priority is not a better year, but a better you. Because if he makes you better, then no matter what you face in the year, you will stand. He says, he that hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to he that builds his house on a rock. He says, so that when the rain fell and the flood storm came, His house still stood. Guess what? Many believers are trying to stop the rain. You can't stop the rain. You can't stop the storm. You need to understand what is inevitable. You need to understand what you can influence. You can't stop bad things from happening. So your focus on a night like this should be to look down. And to say, what foundation is beneath me? That's the most important thing. Because at the end of the day, it will not be... See, so Jesus in his scenario gave two two examples. Someone who built his house on a rock, someone else who built his house on the sand. One house fell down and the other house remained standing. The reason was not the rain. Many times we are focused on the rain, the storm... The most important thing is the foundation beneath you. God wants to make you better on a night like this. That's God's plan. Focus on yourself. Focus on where you stand in the Lord. That's the most important thing. And guess what? There is a strategy in the world for us to be better. Every time we gather, whether physically or virtually like this, we can be better. Paul said to the church at Corinth, because of their abuses with the communion and all of that, you know, with what is called the communion. He said, your gathering is not for better, but for worse. So, and he said that to rebuke them and to correct them. Meaning their gathering was supposed to make them better. Listen, as we are here, although virtually, listen, we can be better. The Holy Ghost can engineer in us something formidable. So that no matter what we experience in the coming year, we will stand. That's God's priority. Stop looking at the year. Start looking at you. Start looking inwards. That's God's priority. Hallelujah. So once again, that text we started with, it said, likewise, the spirit helps our infirmity. And the infirmity he was talking about was not sickness or disease as so many have opined and wrongly so. He says, he tells us what the infirmity is. He says, for we know not what to pray for as we ought. And we talked about, I mean, not knowing what to pray for as we ought. But I want to talk about the good news here. He says, the spirit helps our infirmity. So, on a night like this, Before you pray, let the Spirit of God direct your focus to something more important. Can I tell you something? Anyone who walks with God knows what I'm saying. There are some times when you come to the place of prayer with something you thought um, had a sense of urgency, something you thought was priority, and the Lord starts to speak to you about something totally different. And you're wondering, Lord, this is not what I came here for. Let me give you an example there was a guy named Nicodemus, alright, and he um, heard and he saw the miracles that Jesus did. And he came with a consumer mindset. Oh, this man, you know, you're a great prophet. No man can do these great miracles except God be with him. You know, and he expected maybe, you know, a long speech on how to walk miracles and all of that. But immediately, Jesus interjected and seemingly changed the subject. He said, except a man be born again he shall not see the kingdom of God and you see the Lord does this all the time Uh, what are we talking about and what are you saying we came here for miracles and you're talking about salvation and that's what intimacy spiritual intimacy does sometimes it aligns our focus can I tell you something a lot of us are too easily impressed You feel that what is going to make 2021 great is if you get a better job or if you finally get into a relationship, you know, and all those things that you're looking for. And all those things are great, but they are small. You are way too easily impressed. God has bigger in store for you. Do you know who you are? You are the light of the world. Listen, your impact and your influence is meant to be felt everywhere you go. God wants you like a giant to shake the world with your footsteps so that when you leave the world will know that someone was here. God has better for you. You have to look beyond yourself. And someone says, eh, if um, marriage and all these things are small, let God do it. it yeah, God is going to do it. But you have to realign your focus. If it is so small, why hasn't it happened? Because... You have missed the divine order of priority. He said, seek first. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Listen, there is a system. It says, seek as top priority here. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. What if I told you that if you look beyond yourself, and start thinking about the kingdom. To lean your ears to the heartbeat of God. To see what he is set to do in this year. And to align yourself so that he can do it through you. What if I told you that at the end of the year you will look at all the things that hitherto were your priority. you thought, must happen, you know, and will not happen if you don't give them close marking. What if I tell you that at the end of it all, all those things. Desires will be met. There is a temptation to think that if we don't earnestly desire all these smaller issues, they will not be met. But God says, Seek first the kingdom. Listen, in the year 2021, if you do for God what He cannot do for Himself, He will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. There is a message to preach. God will not preach it. He can't do that for himself. It's our job. And if you do what God cannot do for himself, he will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. He says, the spirit helps our infirmity. Ha. So in 2021, if you only think of yourself, your perspective to a good year is, oh, if I finally get a car, A better house. You know, it will be a good year. That's an infirmity. It's a sickness. You don't know who you are. Let the spirit help your infirmity. Dream bigger. Dream for Jesus. Dream for the gospel. The prevalence of the gospel in your day. God wants to make you the epitome of the believer in your day. To be a shining example of his light everywhere you find yourself. That's bigger. That's a bigger dream. How does the Spirit help our infirmity? How does he do it? Paul said to the church at Ephesus, he says, Wherefore I also. Since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all the saints, I have not ceased to give thanks to God for you, making mention a few of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you wisdom and revelation in the spirit. You know, the, KJV says the spirit of wisdom, but we already have the spirit, so He's not giving us another spirit. He's going to give us wisdom and revelation in the spirit. That's how the Spirit helps us, with wisdom. What does that wisdom do? It says the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Listen, you can be in church and the eyes of your understanding are not enlightened. You don't even see properly and that's why you don't pray properly. To know the hope of his calling. Listen, this is one ministry of the Spirit that is hardly spoken of. The Spirit of God helps us hope properly. It gives us something to look forward to to say listen Paul was talking to people who were in church already you go to church twice a week you give your offerings and you try to participate whenever we're online like this but he says that's not enough the eyes of your understanding need to be flooded with light listen there is a hope to which you are called there is a supernatural expectation a benchmark, an expectation to whom much is given, much is required. You need to know who you are so that you will know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So listen, the Holy Spirit helps you see true potential, something to hope for, something to look forward to. So in the spirit of God and by his wisdom, you reckon that you can improve. By the spirit, you reckon that you can be better. That's what will make the difference in this coming year. The better you, that you will see the hope of his calling. Oh, what am I capable of? Oh, I've been living below potential. And maybe I'm a local champion. Maybe the people around me, they keep telling me how good I am. The Holy Spirit gives me a new expectation, a new expectancy. He says, see daughter, see what I made you to be. See who you can be. See what you are capable of. It's time to arise. It's time to do more. That's what he helps us do. To see what you were born to do. To see what you are engineered to do. So that you don't walk all your life only to realize that you could fly all the while. The Spirit of God creates a vision, something to look forward to. And he does that in two ways. In this context, all right, he was talking about spiritual growth. To grow in your understanding, your discernment of who you are in Christ. To see that Christ is head over all things. He has given Christ to be head over all things to the church. All right? We have become the epitome of his power the demonstrators of his power and his influence on the earth. Listen, do you know how that changes your mind? It gives you a new sense of direction and a new understanding of destiny. That listen, if the world will reckon Christ to be alive, it must be through my life. It's a ministry. So the Holy Spirit wakes us from that complacent attitude to life to see. listen, you have become the revelation of Christ to the world. He... Put all things under his feet and gave Christ to be head over all things to the church. So the, the church, which is you and I, proved the headship of Christ to the world. We proved to the world that there is no greater power, no greater influence known to man than the name Jesus. So the Holy Spirit wakes us from complacency for more. And there, then there is something else that the Holy Spirit helps us do. It's also a sense of improvement. right, But this one is more futuristic. I want to show you. It's still that text we are dwelling on, Romans 8.26. But I want to go um, further earlier in the context so that you can see what he's really talking about. Let's start from verse 18. He says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Listen, there is a glory in us so compelling that persecution is worth it. There is a glory that shall be revealed in us that no matter the hardship in the world, no matter what we have to face to preserve, all right, the testimony of that common glory, it's worth it. It says... For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know, I've heard this text read many times, all right? And a lot of people think that when he said creature, he's referring to the world. The world is waiting for your manifestation. That's correct, but that's not what it means. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Did you hear what I said? I said that's correct, but that's not what it means. Look, let me show you something. I want to read to you something. Okay, let's do it this way. Look at the context. For the endless expectation of the creature waited for the manifestations of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly but by reason of he who subjected the same in hope. What's he talking about? The creature he's talking about is your human spirit, your born-again spirit. The vanity he's talking about is this flesh. So he says, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. The glory that shall be revealed in us is the creature he's talking about. The Greek word translated creature, all right, was only used for new creation. New creation. So he's saying you are born again spirit, which is in you. Is waiting, waiting, endlessly waiting for more expression. Because, yeah, you might be fine physically. People give you compliments, but can I tell you something? There is something about this earthly body that limits the expression of your spirit. And that's why you need a new body. And that's why you're going to get a new body. In that new body, you get more expre- expression. And your spirit cannot wait, it cannot wait. Because new levels of possibilities will be unlocked then. For instance, you won't get tired, you won't get hungry, all right? And in that body, you live forever. This is so powerful and very important. He says, verse 21, he says, For the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of the corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. It shall be delivered from the limitations of this flesh, all right? Verse 22. I'm reading verse 22 for a reason. Very important. It says, For we know that the whole world, the whole creation, is talking about the whole creation now, groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Pay attention. Who groans the whole creation? Come on, are you all following? Who groans the whole creation? I'm saying that because you will need that when we go on. Verse 23 and not only they, but we ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Listen, this is what I'm saying. This is how the Holy Spirit helps us. He calls the Holy Spirit first fruits of the Spirit, which means down payment. This is what down payment is. If I promise to give you $5 million in at the end of 2021, and I give you $1 million, Just to express my seriousness, to fulfill that promise at the end of the year. Now, that's um, first fruit. And that does two things. Number one, it gives you a guarantee that I'm going to, you know, live up to my promise. At least you know I'm capable of giving you that amount of money. And then number two, it whets your appetite. Oh, if I can do this much with one million, what will I do with five? And that's how the Holy Spirit helps our infirmity alright, helps our desire because by the Holy Spirit, we begin to salivate and say, what will, we, what will it be like when this new body? We have the foretaste, alright? Even if our, our, our born-again spirit is made subject to vanity, but we can already do so much. So what will it be like when Christ comes, when we receive that new body? The Holy Spirit helps us to desire something more. In this context, is talking about the coming of Christ, and that coming is soon. That coming is soon. As you're looking forward to the future, even though the future is just tomorrow. (laughs) Remember the coming of Christ, and the Holy Spirit helps our infirmity. He helps us see beyond ourselves, see beyond the next paycheck, to see that Christ is coming. It gives us a sense of urgency. A sense of desire. Pay attention now. And then we come to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, which is what we read earlier, right? For we know not what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us, He says, with groanings that cannot be ordered. There are two problems with this text. Many people think This text means the Holy Spirit prays for us. And that the Holy Spirit groans. Groanings that cannot be ordered. Two problems. Prayer is a business of orderance. And so if the groanings he's talking about cannot be ordered, how is it prayer? That's problem number one. Problem number two. The concept of the Spirit praying. Prayer is man's business. Jesus said men ought always to pray. Prayer is man's business. The Spirit will not pray for you. Listen, if you're waiting for the Spirit to pray for you, you're going to wait a long while. He's not going to pray for you. You're going to have to pray for yourself. So what's he talking about? The earlier verses tells you who groans. It is us. And our groan is our anticipation of the glory that should come. And then he says the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. Hallelujah. So, meanwhile, so, even though what we are waiting for has not come, by the Holy Spirit, we can experience a foretaste. That's the intercession. Like an interface. Pending when what we are expecting will come. That's what he explained in Ephesians chapter 1. All right, He has given us the foretaste of the Spirit until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. That's what the Spirit does for us. So, I just said all of that to say this. The Holy Spirit gives us a desire for improvement. In this context, he's talking about improvement in terms of resurrection, receiving our new body. There is a quiet dissatisfaction in your spirit. It might be a groan that cannot be uttered. Why? Because your spirit doesn't have a physical mouth. If your spirit had a physical mouth, you would hear the spirit complaining. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for more expression. All right? But your spirit is groaning. You can't hear it. That's the groaning is talking about. And your spirit is waiting for more expression. And the Holy Spirit helps us with that. And in the context of Ephesians 1, the Holy Spirit helps us also by giving us hope. Hope for spiritual growth. Improvement in terms of spiritual growth. Not resurrection and but spiritual growth. So I'm talking about improvement in terms of two things. Resurrection and spiritual growth. And I want to dwell on spiritual growth. The Holy Spirit helps us to see that there is more. In the year 2021, I have prayed for you that via this service and this sermon, the Holy Spirit will help you to pray the right way and to desire the right things. To see. That you are capable of more than what you are doing. Let him help you. Let him help you. Stop playing church. Let him help you see the hope of your calling. The riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. You have an inheritance that you probably are not using or you are not using enough I want to read something to you. In Revelation chapter 3, the word of the Lord to the church at Sardis, he said, this thing said he that had the seven spirits of God. Revelation chapter 3 verse 1. And the seven stars. It says, I know your works. And thou hast a name that thou livest and are dead. Let me read with the newer translation so you get it. It says, You have a name that you are alive. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Can I tell you something? This is one of the strategies of the devil for the church. Jesus cried out. He said, Simon, son of Barjona. The devil seeks to have you that he might sift you as wheat. I've demonstrated this before in a sermon. You know, where, where, um, if, have you used the sieve before? to separate um, elements of two different sizes. So the smaller elements fall through the sieve while the bigger one stays. It says the devil wants to do that with your spirituality so that all the good and important aspects of Christian devotion are missing. You still have activity. You still look good, but you are not good. You are still coming to church with your Sunday best, but everything is wrong. Can I tell you something? In the year 2021, we must be more effective. We must demonstrate our true potential. Don't allow the devil sift you like wheat. He said, I've prayed for you. Now, that's something to pray about in this new year. That I wouldn't have a reputation for being alive and be dead. I don't just want to look good. I want to be good. What is my real... Actual potential in God. I just must do more. Now, that's something to desire. On a night like this, don't ask for Suya and Sobo. It's time to get deeper. It's time to take more roots. It's time to be established. It's time to go for more. Can I tell you something? Like I said earlier, if you go for more, all that you are desiring, all the other things will come cheaply. If the church does not recognize its identity, we will lose our relevance. We will lose our relevance. Because even at a time where there is a great pandemic, we still serve the God of Goshen. Listen, can I tell you something? The fact that we are so overwhelmed by the trials in this world might be indicative of the fact that we have forgotten our identity. There is a serious identity crisis in the body of Christ. Who are you? He says, you are the salt of the earth. He said, but if it's salt has lost its several, which, by the way, is a symptom of COVID. You can't taste anymore, you know. He <laughs> said, if salt has lost its savour, it is it's of no use. It's, not, it's of no use. It's to be trodden upon. Can I tell you something? If we lose our sense of value, the world will trample on us. Can I tell you something? I don't like to deceive myself. If Jesus died and he rose again, it must show in my life. It must show in my life. Refuse to have it any other way. Refuse to have it any other way. And guess what? You serve a God who really wants to show off. He really wants to. So, when you are Moses and you ask, How will people know that you sent me? God is not going to be offended. He's going to respond. He will say, What is in your hand? Drop it on the floor. Take it up again. He will give you signs because He wants to show that He called you, He wants to show that you are light to your world. That's the kind of God you serve so that you walk to Pharaoh with a sense of audacity. Many today have not asked the question that Moses asked. How? 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 How would they know that you sent us? How would they know? How can we influence a world without, without signs? Without evidence? God, this has got to be evidence. How would they know that you sent us? How do we approach the pharaohs of this world without signs? In the year 2021, distinguish yourself. How would they know? What about the God of Elijah? Do you know? There are some people who don't believe in cessation, uh, uh, that God works miracles. You know, they call it cessationism. And then you want to be arguing biblically. You know, And you know I love doctrine. But doctrine is not enough. In this coming age, it will not be enough. Call the prophets of Baal. Let them set their altars. You set your own. The God that answers by fire. The God that answers by fire. Let him be God. Listen, this is our perspective. As people who want to shape the world. And listen... The prophets of Baal are calling and they are shouting, listen, thank God for apologetics. But it is time for demonstration. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, and now they are calling and there's no response. And Elijah is mocking. He said, okay, maybe he's taking a shower. Shout well. The God who answers by fire. Let him be God. It's time for demonstrations. Let the prophets in Egypt, let them drop their rod. Let Moses drop his own rod. Listen, our impact must be felt. We will not be trodden underfoot. It's time for impact. So, listen, it's a mentality to have. You you see, I can do more. I don't want to play church anymore. I can do more. I can do more. I can do more. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 5. Oh, thank you, Lord. From verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. Oh, I bring healing to the world. I bring beauty to the world. I bring savor to the world. Flavor to my world. It says, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it then be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Can I tell you something? If you are still unidentified in your office, in your school, something is wrong. Can I tell you something? If no one comes to you for help, there is trouble and no one, it didn't occur to them to come to you for a prayer, something is wrong. Now, that's something to pray about. That's something we don't know what to pray for as we should. That's something to desire. It says a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Listen, minister of the gospel, what you need for your ministry to grow is not a is not more um, a better lacton. It's not a better drum set, it's not a better keyboard. You need to shine more. You, what you need is inside. It's not from your pocket, it's inside. Listen, it says a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Hallelujah. It says if you set yourself on fire, the world will watch you burn. Set yourself on fire. It's good that you're saving money for new equipment, but set yourself on fire. It is good that you want a new microphone, but set yourself on fire. It says a city, oh my goodness, a city set on a hill. Picture what he's saying. He's talking about influence and impact. Influence and impact. You know what the Great Commission proves to us? It proves that it takes only 11 men to change the world. You didn't hear what I said. You didn't didn't hear what I said. Let me take it again. You know what the Great Commission proves to us? It proves that it takes only 11 men to change the world. That Jesus could look at them and say, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore, Preach the gospel unto every creature. Listen, and it was not an overambitious task he was giving them. He really meant it. They could do it and they did. Go into all the world. You say that to 11 people? Because 11 people can do the job. Can I tell you something? The reason why our impact is so small is because we don't know who we are. Why is it that in a church, you know, like the body of Christ in Nigeria, we are so many yet so ineffective. And then nights like this, what we are crying about is more money, a better car. That's an infirmity. It's an infirmity. It's a sickness. You need healing from that, from that mindset. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You need, have you forgotten the reputation of the early church? It's that these that have turned the world upside down are here again. Shake something. Shake something. Give the world something to talk about. Something to argue about. Let them hold conferences to say, ah, this guy, how was he able to make this blind see? Ah, and the blind man, they call him. He said, I don't know. All I know is once I was blind, now I can see. You know, they were not satisfied. They called his parents. They were interviewing him. The parents said, the person you're talking about is an adult. Ask him. Go deeper.'" Stop playing church. Go deeper. This year, this coming year, we go back to the basics. You know, you can be a leader in the church and pretend you read your Bible and be lying. And maybe they even give you something to do in church. And you get on just fine. No one notices. But in your heart of hearts, your hypocrisy is calling you out. It's time to go deeper. This year, this coming year, our impact. Our impact. Hallelujah. This year we set ourselves on fire. Hallelujah. We set ourselves on fire. Can I tell you something? That it will be said about this ministry. That even if we kept growing in numbers, our integrity remained. You will look at us, 50 years from now, look at us at the beginning. The fire is the same and even hotter. We return to the basics. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Now, that, that's something to desire this year. He said, let your light so shine. It didn't just say let it shine. It's describing the intensity of the shining. Let your light so shine that men will see your good works. It, it must catch attention. If your devotional life is not calling for attention, something is wrong. It must catch attention. They must ask you questions. Questions must be asked. He said let your light so shine that men will see your good works and glorified God. Don't deprive God of glory this year. <laughs> glory must come from your life, from your testimony. It's said, let your light so shine that men must observe. Give them something to observe. Many times, the metaphor of light is used to describe the church. And I want to dwell on that. When you think of light, four things will likely come to mind. And I want to dwell on that. The first is distinction. Can I tell you something? And then, you know, interestingly, this box that I'm in, this beautiful box that I'm in, is just um, a description of what I'm talking about. This large warehouse is relatively dark right now. And then this light is shining and it's distinct. That's what light does. It gives distinction, a difference that can be noticed. He said, you are the light of the world. A difference that can be noticed. In First Peter 2, verse 9, it says, but you are a chosen generation. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A royal priesthood. You have to see yourself as royalty. I'm different. Can you say that I'm different? Yes. Hey, I'm different. He said, you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. That you should show forth. You see, there is a demonstration to your light. A demonstration. Show forth the praises of him. Who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light? Your light has to be marvelous. It has to cause a wonder in your community. It's time for distinction. You can't be ordinary. You cannot. Something must be different. Listen, if you are ordinary, you have reduced the Christian experience to a mere religion. Distinguish yourself. It's time for distinction. Hallelujah. Our difference is our strength. Many people are trying to blend with the world too much. Distinction. It said a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In your school, be distinct. In your office, be distinct. In your community, be distinct. You know, it's a mindset to have. I have the life of God in me. My experience has to be different. My testimony has to be... Listen, you can be in church so much, you no longer think this way. You've seen too much. You've seen too much. Hallelujah. Be distinct. That's so important. Number two. Light gives direction. Direction light gives direction you know in many airplanes when the plane is taking off in the night um in many airlines like like to take off turn off the lights the main lights but just for someone who wants to use the loo there are some lights on the floor to give a sense of direction so once you just follow that light you know where the loo is light gives direction The year 2021 must be a year of direction for you. Don't live like the world. Listen, in Christ, you have a sense of purpose. There is a sense of purpose to your life. A sense of clarity. Be definitive in your life. There is a purpose to your influence. A purpose to your money. A purpose not just for enjoyment. You have to have a sense of purpose. Why are you alive? What are you living for? Who are you influencing? Who are you helping? Who are you blessing? There has to be a sense of direction in your life. A sense of direction. A sense of direction. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 4. It says, but ye, brethren, are not darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. He's talking about the coming of Christ. Oh, you must live like Christ is coming again. That's a sense of direction. It says, don't be overtaken like a thief. You are not darkness. You are not in darkness. Verse 5. He says, you all are children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. He says, therefore, let us not sleep. In the year 2021, don't sleep. Don't sleep on God. Don't sleep on his word. Don't sleep on your divine assignment. Live with a sense of purpose. Like, Like James said, live the superfluity of naughtiness. That emptiness that just comes from mere fruitless entertainment. Be purposeful. Have a sense of direction. Even in your practical life, set goals. Set goals for your life. Set goals for your career. Set goals for your health. Be intentional. Be intentional. Be different. Let people see a sense of direction in your life. And then number three. The metaphor or metaphorical description, light, is also used for moral excellence. Moral excellence. Can I tell you something? When Paul preached... He didn't preach like he was better than everyone else. In fact, because of his experiences, he made himself, you know, like the worst of everyone. He says, it's a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation. Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm chief. So there is a kind of advice you give in the word of God, not because you're better than people, but because it's the word of God. And I'm telling you, not to judge you, but in the year 2021, distinguish yourself in terms of moral excellence. Do better. Do better. You know, he said, let he that stole steal no more. He places that demand on you because you have the spirit of God. Because you have the spirit of God, sin is no longer inevitable. It's no longer irresistible. You can choose to walk in the light. You can choose to walk in righteousness. Don't say, I can't help myself. He said, he that stole, let him steal no more. He said, lie not. Stop lying. It's a sin that you have put off the old man and his deeds. Stop lying. Moral excellence. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 3. Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 3. You see, you have to understand. Oh, my goodness. Ephesus was a unique place. Before the gospel got to Ephesus, they had a huge temple dedicated to Diana, and it was a very weird form of worship, because at the basement of the temple, there were brothels, can you imagine, of the temples, and there were prostitutes there, and people will come to make love there, quote-unquote, pay money in worship to this deity. There was a lot of drinking and drunkenness also, all right? And the proceeds from all those atrocious acts were used for the temple. And now imagine preaching the gospel in that city. The temptation, you know, you have to walk away from all of that. And rightly so. You have to walk away from. Now, someone might be listening to me and there are things to walk away from. Because you are helped of the Lord. Because, you know, just in view of the message of God, you walk away from them. So, so he's talking to them. He says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither fieldiness nor foolish talking, nor jesting. You know, when we talk about moral excellence, we think we're talking about fornication alone, and fornication is a big deal. And that's part of my message today. But he's also talking about foolish talking. You know, some people are so loose, so loose. They can make joke about anything. Make joke about anyone. Make joke about the church. Make joke about the gospel. Make joke about anything. Can I tell you something? Any good Bible student knows that you can be right and still be in trouble. It is not everything you have to have an opinion on. He said, let go of jesting. He says, which are not convenient, but rather giving thanks. He says, for we know this, that no warmonger or unclean person or covetous or idolater had any inheritance in Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, because of these things, cometh the wrath of God on the children with disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them, for you were sometimes darkness. You see the metaphor? You were sometimes Darkness. But now are ye light in the Lord. He said, walk as children of light. So this refers to moral excellence too. Walk as children of light. He says, for the fruit, meaning the evidence of the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, this is the evidence. The evidence of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto God. Your life becomes the evidence of Of the will of God, you you approve the will of God in your life. Prove the will of God in your life. That's powerful. He says, "I have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather I improve them, reprove them." Paul said to the church at Philippi. He says, "That in a perverse generation, you shine as lights. In a crooked and perverse generation, you shine as lights." That's our calling. That's our calling. Distinction, direction, moral excellence. And the next and the final thing I want to talk about is power. Because whenever you see light, some form of energy is being expended. It's either combustion or electricity. Lights. Lights actually manifest on account of power. Oh my goodness, I am very passionate about this. Please pay attention. I have discovered a great, I mean, problem in the body of Christ. We can gather ourselves and be so ineffective if we forget who we are. If we forget who we are. You know, as I travel to preach, one of the things that always gets my attention is the fact that someone can be in church and have demons tormenting the person, and the person comes to church regularly, goes through the service, and nothing changes. We have become so used to things like this, and that must change. That must change. In the year 2021, walk in the power of God. Walk in the power of God. You must walk in the power of God. Look at, let me tell you this. The fabric of the church is supernatural. There is no other way to present the gospel outside of the miraculous, outside of the supernatural. That's the fabric of the church. I want to show you something. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse f- chapter four, the, the Bible tells us that Zechariah had a vision. And then he saw a lampstand and he saw olives by the side, you know, and all of that. A vision of the most holy place. And the angel of the Lord said, what do you see? And he said what he saw. And he said, this is the word of the Lord. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. And someone is wondering, what does that vision mean? Because can I tell you something? He saw the vision of the most holy place. He saw the lampstand. He saw everything. But there was something he didn't see. He didn't see a priest. And the priest had the responsibility To always oil the lamps so that the fire doesn't go out. But this time around, listen, pay attention to this. This time around, he saw a lamp burning consistently without a priest. Why? Because that lamp was going to be foiled by the Spirit. And this was a revelation of the church of Jesus Christ. He said, Not by power, not by might. Listen, so this will be the observation of the world about the church. That you will see some manifestations that are not as a result of human imputes. It is the supernatural at work. That people are wondering how can a fire keep burning without stopping and there is nobody fueling it. And our answer will be by the Spirit. This is how to do ministry. This is how to do church. And God has told us how church must be done. He told them in the book of Mark, he said, preach the gospel. They that believe and are baptized shall be saved. And he says, this sign shall follow them that believe. This is God's design for the church. God never envisaged the church without signs. You know what a sign is? It is an indication that authenticates a claim. Oh, if you're a child of God, there will be evidence. He says, This evidence will follow them that believe. He says, In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. This sign shall follow them that believe. If you're not seeing power, receive these words. Stop playing church. Listen to me. We're in very interesting times in the world. We see which is more audacious than Christians. People who use jazz are more, you know, they even have the audacity, all right, to challenge people in public and, you know, and to threaten people and say, I will do this to you. And guess what? Some Christians will be afraid. Oh, that must change. Listen, there is a reason why we must have the the intensity that God wants us to have, the effectiveness that God wants us to have. There's a reason we must go deeper in our impact and in our influence. And the reason is simply this. We cannot evangelize the world being complacent. We can't do that. We can't do that. And like I told you, if you have 11 people ready to demonstrate the power of God, oh my goodness. This world is going to shake. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we can bring the world to its knees. To the acknowledgement of the Lordship of Christ, if we do it the right way. And this is your calling. This is what God is calling you to. So listen, if you have listened to anything I'm saying, there should be a hunger in you for more. A dissatisfaction. I know that this sermon was effective if there's a dissatisfaction in you. Let the Holy Spirit help your infirmity and help you see hope in the glory of Christ. Hope reaches in the inheritance of Christ to see that there is more that you can do for His name, for His glory, for His fame. There must be a desire, a longing for more, that I will stop playing church Listen, he said, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. My impact, my influence can no longer be hidden. You know what the prophecy of Isaiah was? He said, arise and shine. Your light is come. It is time for impact. Hallelujah. Don't shine in your bedroom. Don't shine under the bushel. He said, arise so that you can shine. It's time to be open to positions of influence for the sake of the gospel. So that when God... Create an opportunity for Daniel, for Joseph in the palace. They know it is for the sake of the gospel. Arise and shine. In your different fields, in your career, in your businesses, arise and shine. It is time for more. It is time for the impact and the influence of the Spirit of God in our day and through you. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet wherever you are. Pray in the Spirit right now. Pray in the spirit right now. In the name of Jesus, I distinguish myself. I refuse to be ordinary. He said a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I will not be hidden. I am not a secret. I have a message to propagate. An ideology to infuse to the atmospheres of the world. I will make disciples of nations. I arise and I shine. Pray in the Holy Ghost right now. I refuse to play church. I refuse to be a hypocrite. It's time for more. It's time for more. Not a church scared of diseases. Not a church that is subject to lack. It's time for influence. I rise and shine, it says. In the year 2021, I distinguish myself. the joy of many generations. My impact is evident to all. My impact is evident to all. I decree that my impact is evident to all. I decree that my impact is evident to all. Come on, pray in the Spirit fervently. Pray in the Spirit fervently. Pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Sapalato carrique le potarian de lefeneto carriates. Sambarato on gerato capatele causes. Telemando In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Listen, I'm about to create a prophetic focus for the year now. And don't just receive it with excitement, receive it as a prophetic word, as word from the Lord. Pay attention to this. This is so important. Can I tell you something? In the year 2021, the influence of the gospel is about to grow on your accounts because of your involvement, because of the miracles from your life, because of the testimonies from your life, People will benefit from the wealth of your devotion. Because of the strength of your devotion, people get to benefit. Because you are going to be a burning and a shining light. A joy of many generations. The sick will be healed on your account. Your family will benefit from your light. They will benefit from your light. They are coming under your covering. Coming to feed from your table. And our impact as a ministry is about to be multiplied by 10. And the reason is simply this. Your impact, your impact, your impact, your contribution will make a a, a difference in our corporate influence. Your impact. Listen, you are stepping into rooms of influence for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. By this prophetic word, God is preserving the integrity of His church so that if you look at any generation, you will see that the impact has not dwindled because it's the same spirit, the same God, the same glory. Children of God, the year 2021 is the year of light. Happy New Year! Welcome to the year of light! Welcome to the year of lights. Welcome to the year of lights. Glory to God. Glory to God. This year I distinguish myself. I distinguish myself. It's time for more. Hallelujah. It's time for more. Hallelujah. Say with me. There is my year of light. Say this year, I distinguish myself in my walk with God, in my finances, in my health. I distinguish myself in the name of Jesus. I am different and it will show. I am better and it will show. Hey, the world is about to come to the brightness of my rising. Listen, say the world is coming to the brightness of my rising. Say kings are coming to the brightness of my rising. Hallelujah. Children of God, arise and shine. Your light is come. Hallelujah. Just celebrate, everybody. Celebrate. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, Reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000 Blessings